Welcome to the Wolf Whistle, the podcast that interviews and celebrates the former players of our great club, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Welcome to the Wolf Whistle. Welcome to the latest in a special series of Wolf Whistle podcasts, The Journo's Journal. We are delighted to be joined today by former head of media at Wolves, and he currently does a slot for the Express and Star, Paul Berry. Paul, how are you? I'm very well, mate. Thanks. Yourself? I'm very good indeed, and we've got you on today, Paul, because uh, obviously we've been communicating recently. I want you, well, you have done it, to choose uh, your your uh, best uh, best 11 from Wolves, but we've gone pre-Fosen because it's it's so easy at the minute to pick certain players, uh, and and obviously we want to give we want to give all the old boys a chance now. So Paul, very quickly before we crack on with that, um, you are doing a bit with the Express and Star at the minute. So please tell us since you've left Wolves, where you was head of media, uh, tell us what you've been doing. So yeah, probably um, quite different things really, which has been, which has been good. Um, yeah, I had a great time at Wolves. Still, you know, still in touch with a lot of the people there. Uh, obviously, a fantastic club as we all know. But for me, just wanted to try and do something a little bit different. Um, so I went freelance. Currently, I mean, I'm doing a bit of freelance work with Wolves Foundation, which is yeah. great to be back in touch with the people there. Um, and I do a fair bit during the week for the Good Shepherd Charity. Which yes, great cause. I guess a lot, yeah, a lot of listeners will know. Um, you know, some fantastic people work. In there doing some really important work and expressing star yeah once a week an interview with a with a former player which which has been great you know trying to trying to catch up with people um, the same way you do really but yeah catch up with people and just sort of tell stories and uh, yeah keep the former players out there which is great that's it keep them uh, out there and engaged and I suppose you're like me aren't you Paul that you're texting them whatsapping them emailing them calling them at all hours and times of the day to secure these interviews and you get all sorts of responses yeah no absolutely I think it's um, I'm sure you've had the same it's quite interesting there's, there's some people that don't really want to sort of yeah. chat again um, you know for their own reasons which is absolutely fine I think you know like some players just sort of disappear and they're quite happy to be private and out of the limelight aren't they of but course. then it's also uh, you know a lot are really keen to share stories and a lot I think are quite are quite pleased to be asked as I'm sure you know they have been for the podcast because yes. um, I think even people have had bad experiences at Wolves it's still you know it's still played a, a huge part in their life it's still such a great club and I think uh, whatever's happened to them at Wolves they enjoy talking about it they enjoy bringing the memories back and um, I think especially at the moment you know the way the way life is for all of us I think it's nice to sort of look back to perhaps happier times and uh, yeah just chat, chat all things Wolves it is and if, if there's one person because people ask me this about the podcast so I can ask you if there's one person that you would would be your dream interview to, to put into the Express and Star or anywhere for example you know for that matter who would it be? Crikey, mate, there's a question. Um, I think a lot of people say this is probably not going to be a very um, original answer, but I think obviously Peter Knowles yes. is still yeah, is still one that, um, that so many people want to speak to. And I think, I mean, I say that, and I probably also think there's probably people in a far better position to interview him that know him. I don't know him. It's just the sort of... The legend that's grown around him, isn't it, as to um, yeah. as to when he finished playing. Um, and, I've, and I've met him a few times when I was at Wolves. And obviously, Foz, who people know very well, who's sadly no longer with us, he he knew him really well. And I mean, yeah. even Foz was was badgering him to try and do an interview, and he, he doesn't, he didn't want to. Um, but yeah, I think that would just be fascinating. And I think 
you know whether he he will speak to somebody one day and i'm sure if he does it he might well do it with somebody that he, you know he knows far better than than me but i think um yeah just be interesting because i think you know he's obviously very happy now and very happy with the decision he took um and still you know chats football as far as i'm aware to people when he meets them so um yeah i think that would be obviously be a very good one um but I think, yeah, the way things are, he's obviously quite happy. Yeah, I mean, quite happy in himself, isn't he? What's interesting, he's lofty, still has a coffee yes. with him down at, the, at Greg's at the Three Tons. And, you know, I, I wrote to Peter, I know where he lives, I wrote to Peter, a very polite letter, and said, listen, we can talk about whatever you want. It doesn't have to be football. It doesn't have to be Wolves. Um, but really, you've, you've uh, you, I suppose, after what you've just said, that Fozzie asked him, and if he mm. didn't, if he didn't do it for Fozzie, listen, what chance of us mere mortals got? You know when when. You <laughs> well, know. I think of yeah, I think I mean you probably know these guys, Dave Instone, Dave Harrison, really, you know, top journalists that have kind of covered walls and or no Pete's from that time. I think they've you know they've tried, and, and as you just said there, if they um, you know if they can't twist his arm, then I think uh, I think the rest of us are probably struggling. But you know, each to their own. I mean, there's, there's still. Isn't there so many fantastic sort of former players out there that are willing to give their time and chat? That um, oh, yeah, there's plenty to go at. I'll tell you what's very interesting about Peter Knowles. I don't want to obviously dwell on this all day, but if you go on YouTube, uh, there is actually an interview that got uploaded very recently by two school kids. They must be yeah. probably nine, ten years of age, and they've got yeah. they actually got an interview with Peter Knowles. So how they did it, I don't know. No. Well, that's the thing, and sometimes these things sort of turn up in the most sort of unlikelier places. And um, yeah, fair play to him. He's probably just thought, oh, yeah, I'll do, you know, I'll do these these kids a favour. Yeah. You just wonder if they know if they know actually what they've got there. But uh, but no, that's great. And uh, you know, I think again, if he doesn't want to speak to sort of uh, the media or a podcast, but he's happy to chat, you know, to chat through his career with um, with some local school kids, that's great. He's still getting the message out, isn't it? And uh, yeah, what an experience for them as well. Of course, and. And out of, I don't want you to put you on the spot, really, but you've interviewed so many. Is there a particular favourite of yours from a certain era, or is there, is there a player you actually enjoyed their story? Crikey. Um, I'm putting you on the spot. I should I have know, gone through yeah, these with you, Bez. I'm not, you I'm not throwing you under the bus here, mate. No, no. You don't want to miss it on now. That's the problem. I think I, think I feel fortunate. I mean, I've worked at Walls for eight or nine years, and you're kind of chatting to players all through that and doing interviews yes. with them for the club sort of public. And then before that, I was with the Birmingham Mail. Um, and again, you know, there was a, it was a bit harder then because you had to build the trust a bit more and obviously players are more naturally, you know, you spend more time with them when you're working for a club so they get yes. to know you and they trust you more than if you sort of just pop it in for games. I mean, I think um, I think the captains have always been, I found, very, really good to deal with. Um, yeah. Carl Henry was absolutely fantastic, oh, I think, brilliant. when I was there, you know, and you've, you've had him on the, on the podcast. Yes. But I think for someone that really... He kind of feel, always thinks about his interviews, thinks about his answers, makes you work for the information, but does it in a really good way. Um, and prior to that, when I was on the newspaper, actually Paul Ince. Okay. Paul Ince was brilliant to deal with. And again, he's not someone really that seems to do many interviews now, but at the time, I was on the Birmingham Mail and there's a chap called Steve Marshall on the Express and Star, now works for the BBC. And we were kind of the two locals that followed the team you know, home and away, and he was always, you know, if we wanted to speak, we didn't speak to him every game because you, you don't want to do that. But yes. if we wanted to speak to him after a game, he'd he would literally always come up. He'd always almost um, sidestep the national media because I think again he's he'd been through all that, and he was yeah. like, no, I'm speaking to these guys. These are the local guys, and I think you know he was brilliant to deal with. So again, a lot of the other captains as well have been great, and then I guess 
I don't know whether we'll chat this later, but obviously Carla Keemi and Dave Edwards, who I've been fortunate enough to do a book with, um, yes. you know, really enjoyed that as well. But yeah, so many, I think, as you find yourself, they're all, I think, very fortunate, you know, a lot of footballers get a bad reputation, but I think so many, you know, that's a minority, so many of them are really great, good people and good to deal with and really interesting to interview. Oh, unbelievable. And we are going to talk about, because you have been a part of two books, which we are going to talk about a little later, but um, you have chose your... Best eleven from pre thousand times. Um, what formation are you going for, Paul? I think I'm going to go four four two, mate. Bit uh, a bit traditional. A nice a traditional. Call, call me dinosaur. Yeah. Yeah. Four four two. None of these wing backs and none of these diamonds, Christmas trees. We're going four four two. Um, Mike Bassett. Yeah. In fact, what was your first game, Paul? Because mine was 1989. I believe yours was a bit before mine, wasn't it? Yeah, I went. Um, I started going, I think, around 79, 80. I started going, my granddad used to take him to reserve games when I think the reserve games were on a Saturday when the first team played away. Yeah. Uh, and you could literally walk around the ground at Molyneux and watch the reserves. So that was the sort of first sort of interest. And then, can't, I can't quite remember pinpoint the first one. The first sort of games I really remember, I can remember the cup run, I think it was the FA Cup in 81. And I remember we played Middlesbrough and Norman Bell came off the bench and, and scored super um, sub, and I think you know those are the super sub norm yeah and I think that was uh, ding dong yeah that was the sort of first that was one of the early matches I remember I had been to some before that um, but I can't really that's the first one I really pinpoint when I look back and I believe wasn't you a mascot at one game <laughs> yeah I was <laughs> um, yeah I was mascot against Cambridge in the early 80s which um <laughs> Yeah. The mighty football side of Cambridge come to town, did they? That's it, yeah. It was the days of, uh, yeah, I can't remember. I think it was the first division, or sort of second division as it was called then. Yeah. Um, yeah. Two sides of the ground open, I think. Or maybe, I think it might have all been open still then. But yeah, it was early 80s and I think we drew one each. Um, very good friend of ours, Mr Melly's got the Wolves goal. Winner? Which, uh, Brilliant. And I was sort of, yeah, Kenny Hibbert was the captain that day. I think Jeff Palmer was supposed to be captain at the time, but he was injured, so... Um, I mean, yeah, getting the chance to run out with either of those two was was great. But yeah, that's uh, yeah, very good memory. Which oh. I, can, I can still remember that quite a bit. So brilliant! But I have seen a picture somewhere on social media. Yes. I, I, I won't <laughs> dig it out and embarrass you, mate. You, you can you can do that yourself. Um, so yeah, your four four two. Who is going to be your goalkeeper? Because I'm sure there's several candidates yes. here who you could upset. That's well, exactly. I mean, just as a bit of a disclaimer before I start, I think I've just mentioned Kenny a bit. I think I've kind of, because my memory from the early 80s is, is struggling a bit, those, yeah. the sort of Kenny, if it's John Richards and people who would normally be in it, yes. because I can't remember them playing so much, I'm probably discounting those, which is absolutely no, uh, yeah. I mean, they should be in any Wolves Dream team, shouldn't they? So I'm, yeah, I'm probably starting sort of mid 80s, which is when I get a real knowledge. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, every, I'm sure everyone that's done this might said how difficult it is, but uh, yes. especially goalkeeper, I think. Um, um, I was thinking earlier today when I was putting this together it's kind of I've got two sons who are football mad and Wolves mad and it's almost like picking your favourite son this because I think there's three <laughs> goalkeepers who've yeah. uh, come, come through Wolves Academy and again you know as well as I do um, in Matt Murray Carla Kimi Wayne Hennessy that have gone on to be fantastic keepers yes. and all I think have won promotion in different ways and you, yeah. you know all great guys have got really well with so so as I, because I can't pick one of those three, I'm going to go completely the other way. Um, nearly picked Mark Kendall, who's brilliant, obviously, but I think I'm going to go for Mike Stowell. Mickey Stowell. Um, Mickey, Mickey Stowell, because 
I think just again, he was the keep. Him and Mark Kendall were the goalkeepers when I was more what you'd say was a fan, really, before I was yeah. working and going around the country. And obviously, the fact that I mean, either of them again, brilliant keepers, but the fact that um, Mike Stiles made more appearances than anyone. Yes. Um, and it's, I guess consistency over a long, long time in Wolves' goal. So uh, yeah, I'd probably be just edge for style. But as I say, any of those, and um, you know, those three, the three guys that come through the academy, I know really well. You know, I mean, yeah, there's some brilliant keepers. So. Flipping it, Carla Keem is going to be mad with you. You know that, Dave. <laughs> I know. I just hope I can run fast enough to get away from him, which I probably, uh, I probably can't. But yeah, I'm sure he'll, uh, I'm sure he'll understand. I mean, what's interesting about Mickey Stoll is if, if, yes. if you do ask the question, you know, who's Wolves' record appearance uh, yep. for a goalkeeper, you'd automatically say Burt Williams, Phil Parks. You wouldn't, yep. you wouldn't necessarily say Mickey Stoll, but but he has got that record, which is amazing. It is, and I think um, you know, again, that's probably why I just edge him out in front of Mark Kendall, just because of the amount of time that he spent, and obviously we never. We're knocking on the door for so long to get in the Premier League and it never quite happened. But I think, you know, listen, like any goalkeeper, I'm sure he, he had his moments and, um, you know, made the odd mistake, which always, yes. if you're a goalkeeper, it ends up being a goal. But again, just to keep his place in the team, to be able to break that record. And, uh, you know, I'm sure he was as honoured as anyone to, yeah. to actually do that. Um, over that sort of keep up your standards in the Championship over that length of time. And I think he... He was one of a few of them who saved a penalty at the Albion as well, which is always nice. But, uh, yes. but yeah, no, fair, I think he and, and he's doing a great job now, obviously, isn't he, in coaching as well, isn't he, with Leicester. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, so I think a great career at Wolves. Good call with Mickey Stoll. So, right back in this 4-4-2, who is going to be your right back? Yeah, I think um, this was a bit of a toss-up, really, between, uh, between two Kevins, would you believe? Um, right. Which was, yeah, Kevin. Kevin Muscat and Kevin Foley. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say Kevin Ashley. <laughs> Kevin Ashley, your man, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, I don't think Kev would expect, uh, Kevin Ashley would expect to be in the frame, would he? From reading your book, from reading your book recently, yeah. Great. But yeah, top, he's a top man, isn't he? Yeah, it's a shame it didn't work out for him as it, yeah. as it could have done at the time. But, uh, but yeah, so. Um, I think, I mean, Kevin Muscat, I absolutely loved him and I know yes. he had his moments on the pitch which yeah. perhaps are a little bit below the belt but I think at the time, you know, you wanted him on your team yes. um, so determined, the will to win and also I think a far better footballer than perhaps people people remember yeah. uh, but I think I'm going to go for Kevin Foley um, again with the, the story really for him to be one of those players that came through at Wolves from sort of lower leagues uh, got the team promoted played in the Premier League, played well, I think, in the Premier League, um, played in different positions in the Premier League. I was speaking to him for one of the Express Star pieces a few weeks ago and he played, obviously, centre midfield when we beat Liverpool at Anfield. Yeah, yeah. So, again, you know, really good footballer, um, really good guy. I mean, I know you've had him playing for the Wolves All-Stars. Yes. I think a little bit tainted by sort of what happened, you know, towards the end of his time at Wolves. Which but, is a shame, but, really. It is a shame because he is, you know, there isn't, I can't really think of a, a better professional than Kevin what Foley. And I think, well, by the way. Yes, no, brilliant. And I think he suffered with injuries a lot towards the end, which affected him, um, you know, his, his quality on the pitch, but he always kept going. And I think, again, really, really good footballer um, and just, yeah, someone that was really ambitious and just suited us. So I think I'd, uh, I'd have him in at right back. I mean, what's interesting about those two choices, Kevin Muscat and Kevin Foley, they, they are literally polar opposites in as much as, look, Kevin Muscat had gone on that pitch and if he could come 
off the yes. pitch with the player's leg on his boot, he would. <laughs> and what was funny yeah. about Kevin Muscat was all the players that played with him said off the pitch he was probably yeah. one of the nicest people you could speak yeah. to. And he crossed the line and he literally saw red. Um, yeah. And Kevin Foley, for me, he's what, look, there's, oh, I'd never name names, but there's certain players who, when you watch them on the pitch, there's a mistake in them. You think, oh, yeah. with Kevin Foley, you knew he was going to keep possession. He was all, you know, he, he, I, I just think he was a really, and this sounds quite derogatory almost, he was a really dependable right back. Mm. It's the 8 out of 10 thing, wasn't it, that managers talk about, you know, you want, you're, always want players if you can that are going to have 8 out of 10 every week not a yes. 6 and then a 9 or a 10 and I think you know certain positions perhaps the wingers or the strikers that doesn't matter so much but when you're talking about your full backs and your defenders to have that steady I mean Dennis Irwin obviously was right back for us wasn't he but he was he sort of fit that mould but I guess he was only with us for a couple of years but I think yeah. Yeah, Kevin Farley for the most part was always that reliable presence oh, 100% so we're moving the opposite uh, the opposite side now left back who's your Number three. Number three, yeah. I've gone for um, Andy Thompson. Uh, again, I say, I'm going to probably say this about every position. I found it really tough. I think Lee Naylor, obviously the playoff winning yes. left back and, and someone that sort of came through at Wolves at a time when young players hadn't come through for a long time yeah, and, yeah. and did really well. And again, almost similar to Dennis Irwin, I think Sam Ricketts had a really big impact for a year or two. Yes. Um, and Sam Ricketts, I was fortunate to be at the club and he was there as a captain again. I think, as I say, Wolves have had a lot of really great captains, I think, over the last sort of 20 years or so. Yes. And he was someone that you just watch him at the training ground and he'd go around and he wasn't a shouter. Um, but he would just, you'd see him chatting to young players. You'd see him just passing on little bits of advice and just keeping everyone together. So I think, again, you know, as a left back, he had a great year. And at a time when under Kenny just come in you know the club was in a bit of a, a bit of a situation and I think he was a huge part of just stabilising everything and, and that helping us back up that season but um, but yeah Tom I think again the, the team that I really first started watching I guess again um, just dependable uh, you know great guy again as we all know obviously yeah. lethal from the penalty spot apart from against Sheffield Wednesday oh. but uh but yeah, and, and again, a bit like Foley, versatile, played in different positions. I yeah. mean, did he did he play in almost every position? Even didn't he play up front the once as well? I think sort he of, did. Uh, yeah, he played yeah. up front, uh, midfield. Um, yeah, obviously he wouldn't be the tallest for a centre back, but I think he played. At, well, he did play at both right back and left back. But he yeah. was once again. He is another one. He's in the eight out of ten every single week. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think just a huge, you know, I mentioned Sam Ricketts, but Tomo and all that team came in at a similar position as to when the club was on the way down. And, yeah. and obviously, all of them together, just, uh, and, and again, that was the team of my childhood, I'd probably say. And, and just, you know, you sort of, when you're that age, you're a teenager, and that, if, I don't know, football just seems to mean that a little bit more. It's, the, it's literally yeah. all you've got, isn't it? The, uh, the end of the week, you just look forward to going to watch them. So I think those, you know, those sort of players were just. Um, you know, ones I'll always remember really fondly. Yeah, Tomo, what what a player. Um, so we're moving to the centre-back positions now. Who are your two yep. centre-halves, Paul? Cool. Um, now, yeah, I think, I mean, I almost think that this is almost the dream sort of fantasy <laughs> fantasy centre-backs for Wolves from the last few years. I mean, first of all, the ones that I've sort of just missed out... Um, and again, I don't. This guy will probably come after both of us. Obviously, Jody Craddock, who we both oh, know well. Uh, what a man! Yeah, what a guy! Yes. Um, again, Kenwin Jones probably wouldn't really appreciate that, uh, that <laughs> yeah, selection. Would he? But, 
but yeah, I think him, you know, Floyd Street, I love watching again, yes. part of that other team. Um, Keith Curl, I thought was brilliant for Wolves, part yeah. from the own goal at Albion. Uh, and then even again, more recently, sort of, I think the Danny Bath Richard Steam combination was um, yes. was really important to us when we needed. But but yeah, the two I'm going for are uh, Dean Richards and Julian Lescott, who. I mean, you know, for defenders who I've watched over, you know, since I've been a Wolves fan, um, just very difficult to look past them. Not just, you know, I mean, we talk about Jodie Craddock, who's probably a better defender than, than those two, but I think for the whole package of, of defending, but also being so comfortable on the ball and just real sort of, you know, they're both who's classed, didn't they? And I think that's almost the, the centre back pairing that you wish you could have seen at some point. Yeah, I mean, I think Dean Richards, people have described him, players who played with him have described him as, as an almost a Rolls-Royce. This is a player who, who could turn up in his slippers and, and make the game look easy. And, and then you've got Jolie and Lescott, who, to be fair, when he first broke through at Wolves, you could see he was quality, but I didn't envisage the career he would end up going to have at Man City for England, scoring goals for England, uh, and the longevity which he did. Um, he, obviously, the only thing that tanks it, he went to the dark side and and, and, <laughs> yeah. and played for Albion and Villa. But, but on a serious note, he was another player who you quite rightly say that that, that was coming through at a time when when youth hadn't been given a chance for a while. No, absolutely. And I think again, uh, you know, obviously it's such a tragedy that Dean's Dean's no longer with us. Yeah. But I think both of them were, were, were as you just said, with Jolene. They're quite young at Wolves, weren't they? And I just yes. think they just had so much talent. And again, Dean went on to succeed. Um, in the Premier League, I think wasn't he at, at Spurs particularly, and probably should have played for England. Uh, but yeah, just two real classy, classy, um, classy players. And again, I think the thing about Jolie when he came through, and again, this is a bit without giving it away, a bit in your book, isn't there about Colin Lee saying that he he came through what seventeen, eighteen, and he put him, I think, it was against Akibai when they were training. Yes, yes. Um, which obviously really strengthened him because again, I think that was one of the things that stood out with Jolie and his kind of physical strength, even when he was when he was so young and. Um, I don't know, you talk about sliding doors moments. I mean, if he'd been fit for the Premier League season under Dave Jones, oh. you know, go back to that. If Matty had been fit in goal, if George and Dart, you're just such a shame with football, how things how things happen. But um, from his point of view, again, at least he did go on and enjoy a career elsewhere in the Premier League. But but yeah, I think those two together, you know, Jolene left-footed as well, and I think Dean Wright would be, uh, would be quite a pairing. Yeah, two cracking, cracking choices there. So... Four four two. I take it you're playing two wingers. Who are you putting out on the right hand side? So yeah, right hand side. Um, again, that team in the late eighties. I've gone for uh, for Robbie Robbie Dennison. Um, again, Michael Kitely. I thought was brilliant. Um, again, as someone when I was working at Wolves, uh, another great guy. I think you know you know well too. Just yeah. uh, another brilliant story how he came from from Greys, and I think um, I still remember now, and I don't know. I don't know what the Wolves fans think. The game, I think we had not long before Mick went. We think we played Aston Villa at home. We ended up losing. But the first half of that, I think Kylie scored. He obviously had all his injury problems and he just yeah. looked, you know, right back to his best that day. And um, yeah, I think just a great story and a great player. But um, but yeah, Robbie just edges it for me. I think the fact he's two-footed, I mean, I've put him on the right. He could easily play on the left. And yes. I don't know, he just wasn't, he wasn't the quickest of players, was he? But I think he was, sort of quick in his brain and he could go either way um, defenders just didn't know whether he was going to go past them down the line or cut inside uh, you know he could cross it with both feet and we know about his long range shooting and his and his set pieces so yeah I think um, and again just 
someone I grew up watching and again was unfortunate enough to kind of get to know when he yeah. was commentating on the radio uh, and just again just a real humble smashing blow oh, but um, listen Robbie's a great yeah. guy and what's interesting about Robbie and I didn't even realise this is <clears throat> he's right footed because everybody mm. says oh Robbie Dennison left winger sweet left foot and he said look I'm, I'm, I'm predominantly right footed he can use both feet equally as well Um but you know, we all remember the goal at Everton against Everton, yep. I should say, in the uh, in, in the tournament at Wembley, and obviously the free yep. kick against Burnley. But what what a player and what a servant he was to the club. I think you just said it there, haven't you, mate? I think if if you don't actually know what, what a player's strongest foot is, um, that is an half an endorsement of, of how good they really are. And yes. and yeah, I think just pleasure to watch him really and, and just that you know he, he'd square the, the full back up and you just thought oh, because he wasn't one that was going to go past him with, with pace you thought oh he's never going to get past him but he just always seemed to just you know drop the shoulder and he was away and uh, yeah and just a real privilege to have watched him yeah what a, what a player so the uh, on the left wing the opposite flank who are we going for Paul? so left wing um Thought about Mark Kennedy again, who was you know a key part of that playoff winning team yeah. and scored some un- unbelievable goals. So he was close, uh, but yeah, gone for for Matt Jarvis, um, Jarvo, Jarvo, who I think again just consistency as well for us over the number of years, and even even when we struggled in the Premier League, I think you always knew um, that Jarvo could pop up perhaps with an assist or a goal, and again almost. I guess I'm playing him with, Den- with Robbie Dennison, but quite a different, very different winger, and the, you know, very reliant on his pace um, and his control, wasn't he? And I think uh, getting the England cap as well also was massive. Again, I was fortunate to be working and, and going down for that game against Ghana, and kind of three, about three or four of us sitting in the press box, just thinking, please put him on, because you know, otherwise there's not much point in us being here. And, and for him to get on, and I think get 20 minutes or so, and be the first England player since. Um, since Bully was brilliant and yeah. obviously great stuff now that Connor Cody has followed in his footsteps so yes. yeah I'd probably go for Jarvo mate and um, you know, get him going down the wing and putting those crosses in Jarvo once again great player and a very quick backstory to that England played Garner yes. at Wembley and we didn't have any tickets so in my wisdom <laughs> I went down with a couple of mates yeah and uh, we we, uh, we we found a tout and he said right he said I've got he said, I've got three tickets, one in the uh, one in the England end, which one lad snapped up straight away, he paid extra for, and he said, I've got two more, one in Club Wembley and one in the Garner end. Yeah. And me and my mate flipped a coin, and uh, anyway, I ended up watching Matt Jarvis's England debut in the Garner end. Anyway, enough said about that. So, um, you have to tell your story about West Ham one day, mate. Oh, and Neil. I don't think that's one for a podcast, mate. You, that was uh, yeah. There's a nice connection because Jarvo scored that night, didn't he? He did, Ham, and, and yeah. Ronald Zubar. I mean, that's the funny thing, Paul. I shouldn't have called you out before here because you know more about me than I know about you. So. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, that might be one for sort of podcast extra, mate, after hours. Or yeah, some I, th- point. I think yeah. so. I think we'll have to have an X-rated version for that. Um, so who are uh, going to be your, on. Your, two, your two centre midfielders? Cool. Yeah, I think I've gone for, um, found this again very tough. I've gone for sort of one playmaker and one kind of box-to-box that's going to sort of do everyone else's running for him. And again, a few that I thought of that didn't quite make it, probably, uh, again, Dave Edwards, yes. I think, was, was really good for us and really effective and goals scoring goals Keith Downing from the early years yeah, who psycho. never hesitate putting a challenge, challenge in yeah, Jeff Thomas sadly I think he could have been 
you know, I think he could have been incredible for Wolves, judging yes. by the first few appearances he had, but for injuring. And Kevin McDonald's another one who had sort of really, really put in there for his skill in midfield and, and the way he could play at a time we needed it. But um, for the sort of ball player, I've gone for Paul Cook. Cookie. Um, Cookie for sort of that left foot, which I think was, you know, as good as a left foot as I've, I've seen in my time watching Wolves. Yes. Um, just, the, you know, I, I just remember him coming and picking the ball up from the goalkeeper and knocking a 70-yard pass that Bully could just, you know, he'd land it on Bully's toes almost. Um, I also remember, I think he scored with a couple of corners. and every, every time we had a corner then, it was almost like a free kick and everyone was expecting him to shoot. And uh, But yeah, just a I'll, really I'll tell you what then, you know, skillful player. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a question now. If you get this, mate. He, yes. the, he scored twice direct from corners. Do you, can you remember the games? Oh, my word. Uh, I probably can't. I can remember roughly when they were. It wasn't Stockport and Barnsley, the two that just come into my head. But it was Brighton away at the old Goldstone yep. ground and Blackburn at home. Blackburn, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, it's right. I, I don't know why I randomly remember those two. But you're quite right. <laughs> From a corner, they were close together, weren't they? They're quite. They're, I think it almost happened like within a couple of yeah. weeks or three or four weeks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It did. Which, I mean, that's incredible, especially now Wolves have got into this habit of playing short corners. Um, I mean, look how effective Paul Cook was. He, I mean, he was a great player when he with that left foot of a one, one of a left foot, I should say. He was. He was. And he's another one. I mean, again, he went on after you know, so many that when, when we couldn't get up, they left and they think he went to Coventry in the Premier League, didn't he? Yeah, he did well yeah. there. But, um, but yeah, just again, just... I think he was someone that, like, you know, you get you get you off. Well, I was standing in those days, but get you off your seat or get you in because as soon as he got the ball, you knew that something was going to happen. And and I think he, he had a bit of devil in him as well. You know, he put a challenge in. He wasn't just, um, you know, he wasn't just the the playmaker. He put the foot in if he needed to. But yeah, just really good to watch. Yeah, great, great player. I love Paul Cook. And who is partnering in the centre mid? So yeah. Alongside him, it was a it was a it was a toss up really, and I think I've mentioned these two guys already between sort of Paul Ince and Carl Henry, yeah. um, who are both like I think were fantastic for Wolves in different ways. And I mean Ince, just as an all round midfield player, I think even when he came to Wolves, I just I just thought he was brilliant and just sort of dragged us up, especially the second half of that playoff season. Um, just really drove the team forward and, and was such a never let standards drop. I think yeah. he was such an example for the rest of the team. But um but yeah, probably controversially maybe, you know, I just said that. I'm gonna go for Carl. Um and I just again, if you're talking about um all round, again, working with Carl when he was captain at Wolves, I just think he was uh, a really good captain behind the scenes, the yes. way he spoke to the players, the way you know he kept he kept everyone together. Um, and I think that was almost proven by the fact that when he wasn't captain anymore, you know, things as both Carl and Roger himself admitted, things were never quite the same in that dressing room. And and the work he does in the community at the time as well. And he's yeah. obviously now an ambassador for Wolves Foundation and does some great stuff with them. So I think there's that. But obviously talking but on a playing side as well, the reason I'd perhaps just edge him out is I think he would when you've got sort of Paul Cook and you've got a four-four-two and you've got Denison and Jarvo, um, you're going to need someone that's perhaps quite defensively minded in there. And I think Incy would probably still be wanting to get forward and pop a goal in. Well, I think Carl could be quite disciplined, just sitting in front of the back four and sort of putting a yeah. challenge in and putting a lot of work in that you, really you might not see. So <laughs> this is it, mate. I've had uh, actually went for a run today, mate, and that's when I was thinking about it. So uh, didn't run very far, but yeah, <laughs> managed to cover one or two things. I mean, to be fair to Carl Henry, in my opinion, I think he was very underrated. And what's what's interesting about Carl, once again, Carl's been on the podcast and I spoke to Carl 
yeah. on numerous occasions. He really didn't get a kick out of scoring goals, which, no. which you know, I find really, really uh, strange. But he didn't. And I think it mm. was a case of he had a job to do. He did it. He guided it. You know, I remember playing in a just a little charity game and, and Carl was playing. And he, he was talking me through the game like I, like I was an ex-professional. Like I, you know, mm. and it, but, but that's the time he's got for people and that's how committed he is and enthused f- for the game. And I think that, you know, yes, he wasn't rattling in 30 yarders week in, week out. Mm. He wasn't picking, you know, pinpoint passes and putting players to the wrong goal because that wasn't his game and he did so yeah. much more than people give him credit for. I think that's spot on, mate, and it's interesting because I, um, I remember a couple of the coaches, speaking to a couple of coaches when I was at Wolves, and I think it was probably a time, you know, from time to time, Carl would get a bit of stick from the fans, probably based on just what you've said, you know, and I was the same, you, you, sometimes you can't actually see, because we don't know football like yeah. these guys do, you can't see what they're doing, and the coach took me through, like, a game, and how many times he had had to, Carl Henry had had to run to almost prevent a pass that yes. then didn't happen, yeah. but no, I didn't know, and none of the fans knew no. what he'd done to stop, you know, and almost a move would have broken down because of the run Carl Henry made into space to block, or, you know, when to mark someone, and I think... You know those sort of players, of which he was, you know, the top of the tree for me. You don't, they don't get the headlines, they don't get the plaudits, but almost like every team, you feel, especially, especially Wolves at the time when we were, you know, we were struggling in the Premier League. When we every game, if we, we only won a game, when every single player was on was at their best, really to a degree. And I think a lot of you know they had to work hard, and a lot of that work perhaps we didn't see or appreciate at the time. But yes. um, but yeah, and, and again, you talk to his teammates; they're the players. That they really appreciate, and then Stephen Ward is another one who I should have probably um, had in the frame at left back. He was someone that that they all used to say, you know, Wardy would play with, uh, you know, with his arm hanging off or his leg <laughs> almost in plaster. They just literally, when the easiest thing would be to not play because they're injured, they wanted to go out and play. And then sometimes it's the detriment because they don't play well. We don't know as fans that the reason behind it, um, yes. and then they get a bit of stick. But you know, I think again, Wolves have been fortunate through the years to have a lot of characters like that um, and even in the team now you know you look at you look at your Ruben Neverses and people like that and I think they don't hide even if things aren't going so well they keep going and that for me was um, for the player that he was that was Carl Henry yeah yeah and I agree <clears throat> and that's testament really to the career that Carl went on to have um, you know and look great, mm. once again great player very knowledgeable great person as well so um, we just says Carl Henry didn't get many goals. So who would be your who would be your two men up front? Um, who's going to get these yes. goals then? Well, I think um, yeah, for all the sort of fans of our generation, um, you know, I'm sure you're the same as me. I think there's one person whose contribution to the club would always get him in every single yeah. every single one of these. What he's done for Wolverhampton and what the fans think of him. Um, but Thomas Frankowski wasn't actually available, so I've gone for Steve <laughs> Paul instead. Um, yeah, sorry about that. But yeah, I think, uh, yeah, growing up, um, Bully, you know, was my hero, as he was so many people. And I yes. think he was a hero we needed at the time after everything that happened at Wolves. Um, but again, I think the beauty of it is, you know, he didn't get carried away with that. And, and he's he was the hero of that team, but he also knew that the rest of the team were just as important and equally yes. as important as he was. And I think he'd always say that. And I, and that's why it's great that there's so many other players, I think, who are still so, so fondly remembered. But obviously in terms of, you know, those days and his contribution and, you know, the pride when you're sort of a young Wolves fan of seeing him then go on and 
um, play for England and go to that World Cup and and not leave. You know, I mean, he wouldn't be human if he didn't look back now and think about what might have been had he moved when he when he could have done. And I mean, he says he never even regrets it, and which is you know again testament to him. But yes. a lot of players left and went and played in the Premier League and he didn't, which almost. Yeah, it makes that bond even stronger. But yeah, certainly, um, yeah, I think he's got to be the first name on, on, on the team sheet of anyone of sort of my age, really. Oh, I mean, look, I remember them two seasons. That's when I really first started supporting the club in uh, yeah. 87, 88 and 88, 89, where I think it was 52 the one season and 50 the next. I mean, 102 goals in two seasons. Yeah. That is just... If, if, for a player to score 100 goals throughout a 20-year, 15-year career is incredible to do it in two seasons. Gotcha. And you know what? Pete, the, the doubters, you know, oh, it, was, it doesn't matter what level it's at. No. To, to, you know, to, to score that many goals is just... And it was a good level anyway, you know. To, yeah. It's incredible. And he could have done it higher, couldn't he? And I of think he could. Uh, he could have done it higher. And I think the... Um, and the fact he's still... You know, he's obviously really, still really well involved with the club. And I know he's a good mate of yours. And I think yeah. that... You know how humble he stayed, and and it's funny because uh, again I was working on Birmingham Mail before um before Wolves, and you kind of you do get to interview quite a lot of really I suppose you call them famous people if you like. Yeah. But, um, and I still remember the first time I had to interview interview Bully, and it was I spoke to Kirsty, obviously his wife, who sorts out all his PR, and I don't think honestly I don't think I've ever been so nervous in my life in terms of really? doing like a a phone interview with someone. But yeah, he was Bully one. He's he'll, he's never changed, and I'm sure he never will. And- you know what, people, those people who've gone, oh, he's in the fourth division, all that, the the answer to that is simple. he done it at international level. He played 13 yeah. games for England, scored four goals, and if you add up the amount of minutes he was actually on the pitch, it was only about, if you added them all together, it was only six or seven games anyway, and he scored four goals, so he's done it at the highest level. It. And I think, you know, again, we've almost touched on there, he probably, had he moved to the Premier League, I think he probably would have played more. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not quite sure why the England thing stopped, but I guess it was difficult to pick him in the in the championship regularly yeah. after that. And uh, but he certainly, you know, in every game he played, he was never, he, you know, he was good enough footballing wise to hold his own. And then obviously we knew what he could do when he got a chance, which he showed sort of regularly. Yeah. So who is partnering uh, the great man? Steve Bully, Ball? the great man. Yeah. Um, yeah, another great number nine, I think. I mean, again, uh, it's difficult to pick Bully without Andy Much, who was very yeah. close. And again, you know, we all know the role that Much he played, which is of equal importance for me, really, because he was, you know, in his own right, a fantastic centre forward, as well as the partnership he had with Bully. So I'd, I'd, had him, I'd have him on my sub bench. And then others, Kenny Miller, I think, someone that did really yes. well. Um, Kevin Doyle, again, did a selfless job, for, I think, in the Premier League when we were sort of grafting out results for those first couple of years. Um, but yeah, the one I've gone for is another goal scorer, really, in um, in Sylvan Ebanks Blake. Um, yeah. Almost again, the two seasons touched on Bully's two seasons. It wasn't quite sort of prolific as that, but obviously a Championship level to get. I think twenty five. It was at least was it twenty five and twenty two or something like that yes. in the two seasons. One yeah. when he joined us and one when he took us up. Um, and again, just someone that just knew where the goal was, um, you know, really single-minded. And and again, another, you know, great guy off the pitch. I mean, yeah, great guy, he, was, he, he wasn't a morning person and sometimes he was uh, he was a little bit difficult to read. But as soon as you kind of, uh, you know, you crack that layer with Sylvan, he's, uh, he's, I, I mean, I find him hilarious. And he's also a real, I don't know, sort of deep thinker about the game as well. He's a great, yeah. great talker. So I think... Um, and, and, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad he got to, he sort of took him a bit of time in the Premier League, I think, didn't it? And he had a few injuries, but I'm yes. glad that certainly, 
you know, he got some Premier League goals for Wolves, um, and I think I'm sure he's still very fondly remembered. He's the only disappointment for me with Selvan. I say disappointment, you know, his career. Um, yeah. I think he curtailed at about 32 and, mm. and come to an end. And it's such a shame, really, because what an incredible goal scorer he was. I mean, he mm. came to Wolves and the championship then, was it was a strong championship. And to score as many goals as he did, and, and some of these goals, don't forget, listen, he was brilliant with his back to goal. We all remember the goal at Charlton away. Um, you know, the goals that yeah. took us up in the 8 09 season. Uh, I just think he, he, he really was an incredible goal scorer. And, uh, you know, he could have gone on until 34, 35. And it's, mm. it's, you know, you're a long time retired, but what a player. I think so, yeah. And I think he was another one that, um, uh, you know, injuries sort of started to, to, to have the toll and the injury he suffered at Birmingham. Um, which I think we all remember, and again, I don't. Th- I think if you talk to him now, he'll tell you that that was the beginning of the end, really, because he never got back to the same player. He obviously went to play for Mick and Terry Connor at Ipswich, yeah. And I think he's got a lot of regret because he went there. Obviously, got on great with those two, you know, with Mick especially and, and Sutton Terry, and never could hit the heights again. And I think he almost felt a sense of um, personal regret, almost that yes. he wasn't the same player that they put their faith in. So. Uh, yeah, it was as you say. It's just a shame that because he, he could have had he, you know, had he not had that injury and stayed fully fit. You know, who knows? He'd have gone on and, and certainly banged a few more in. That's for sure. Well, I mean, he started at Man United, and, and that says it yeah. all, really, doesn't it? Because you know, obviously, they're one of the best teams in the country at the time. I mean, they still are. They're now full. So to be schooled by Man United just shows the esteem that he was held in. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Definitely. I mean, so that your team, Paul, Mickey Stone yep. goal. Kevin Foley right back, Andy Thompson left back, centre halves of Dean Richards and Jolien Lescott, Robbie Dennison on the right wing, Matt Jarvis on the left, Paul Cook and Carl Henry in the centre of midfield, up front Steve Ball and Sylvan Ebanks Blake. You pleased with that? I think so. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. It's, as I say, it's very tough, and I'm sure there's people I've, I've missed out that should be there. But I've, I think, as you said earlier, it's almost a bit. It's it's. There's a bit of sort of your favourite players and, and, and yeah. trying to go through the different eras because you could just pick a team that's playing the Premier League, couldn't you, like you say? But uh, but yeah, no, I think if, if you're taking all the ones I've mentioned, there's quite a nice sort of squad of, of 25 to pick from. So yeah, please Who would be your manager of that team, Paul? Oh, my word. I, did, see, I, I don't <laughs> oh. think I mentioned that to you. I mean, look, there's yeah. candidates, there's Big um, Nick, there's Graham Turner. Yeah, great. I mean, listen, again, there's I'm Dean really Saunders, fortunate. Dean Saunders is pre and Paul. <laughs> Dean's just missed out, yeah, unfortunately. But no, listen, I got on really well with Dean. I know, obviously. He's, he's, uh, I'm sure he's a great bloke. I'm, I'm not, I'm, yeah, I'm not okay. sure he's ever going to work from a footballing point of view, but he was, you know, he was a good guy. But yeah, I think, um, I mean, Graham Turner, as the manager when I was growing up, you know, gave me incredible memories. And then uh, working at the club, fortunate, really, to uh, to work with Mick and, and Kenny Jacket and, yes. and everyone else. I tend to try to get on well with all the managers, which I feel I did. But in terms of managers that got promotion, obviously Mick and Kenny. Um but yeah, I think I'd probably just lean towards Mick, yeah. uh, Mick or Graham Turner, either of those, but possibly Mick. Um, you know, playing the four four two, and uh, yeah, he gets. I think Mick would know how to get his results, and uh, you know, dig out dig out results in the Premier League. But yeah, certainly Graham Turner, incredible memories from from watching his teams. Oh, listen, two great managers. Obviously, Graham Turner um, dragged us up effectively by the scruff of our neck. The only disappointment for that was he couldn't have took us all the way. And when I did the podcast with him, he said that's his biggest regret. Watch, you know, he, he's watched us go down and then he's took over and he's, he's nearly took us all the way back up. It would have been nice to complete. And obviously, Mick McCarthy, uh, once again, <clears throat> when he first took over, 
Um, he had a bit of a depleted squad and he turned it round, pulled it together and, and got promotion within within a couple of years. You know, it's, a, it's an ama- amazing work, really. It is. And I think, um, again, I know sadly he's, uh, he's out of work again at the moment, isn't he? But I spoke to him yeah. just before, when, again, for another Christmas style piece. And it's, I don't know, again, I sometimes feel that the style of football he played doesn't get as much credit as it could. I mean, yeah. it's obviously, you know, Wolves and Mick would say this himself on a completely different level now and, and with a quality of player that we've probably not had. And Nuno's found certainly uh, over three year period, you know, they've been playing football that we, we haven't seen for so long, isn't it? And, and if, if it's all in Wolves history almost, but yes. um, so well in our lifetime anyway, obviously not going back to the 50s, what have you. But I think, you know, the football that mixed teams played, it was. Um, it was different. It was possibly more direct, but it yeah. was exciting, and it was wingers. Um, and again, he almost admitted. I think it, he almost suffered a bit by trying to move it away from that, trying to bring in, you know, Nenad Milias, who was obviously a really skillful player, but yeah. was used to was used to playing in games at Red Star where he'd have seventy percent possession. His team yeah. at Wolves, he'd have thirty percent, and he just couldn't really adapt. Um, but you know, I think back to the goal. I think I remember Dave Jones scoring eighteen passes against Spurs. Yeah. Um, games that we won the Villa game again I still hark back to the one it was literally probably a week or two before Mick went the football we played I think in the first half against Villa it almost I think we had Henry in midfield with Frimpong and O'Hara and it was and Kite on the one ring and possibly Java on the other and it was just you know I still remember that for, I mean we lost the game you know Carl got sent off I think Frimpong got injured and again we talk about the fine lines from there um Mick sacked and, and obviously we all know what happened after over the next couple of years but I just I do think we did play good football nothing like you know very different to what we play now yeah. but certainly it wasn't you know it wasn't kick and rush it wasn't completely direct there was there was some exciting sort of wing play and, and, and passing in there but uh, but yeah and I, I, yeah again I think um, obviously with Nuno now with Mick with what Kenny did um Going back to Graham Turner, we've had some some very good managers over the last sort of twenty years or so. Oh, we have, we have, and it is difficult to, to you know to choose the you know only the team, obviously the managers as well. So, finally, I want to obviously thank you, Paul, because you have um, over the last few years you've worked on Carla Kimi's book, Why Not Me. You've worked on Dave Edwards' brilliant book as well, um, and you've helped me with with my little lockdown project, uh, Tales yes. from the Tape, which is. 36 interviews I've done on the podcast, um, which I've now transcribed, edited, call whatever you want. We've turned into 36 um, very interesting chapters. I mean, look, Paul, you have read every chapter, you've edited every chapter, you've gone through every chapter. Um, I mean, A, have you enjoyed working on it? And uh, B, what have people got to look forward to? I think it's useless, to be honest, mate. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do money back now. Yeah, I think it's brilliant, and and I think, um, you know, I remember when you first sort of mentioned it that you were doing it, and that you might, you know, need a bit of help on the sort of on the proofing side, if you like. Yeah. But I think, you know, I mean, we know when I got the versions from you, you know, there's not much needed changing at all. Maybe the odd little bit here and there, but nothing, especially in terms of the content. And I just think um, there's so much in there for for Falls fans to enjoy. There's a lot of. Uh, sort of anecdotes and stories which I'd never heard before, even from Brilliant. sort of players that have done a lot of interviews. You know, you think you, I don't know, Andy Thompson and people like that. You think you'd know everything, but there are little, little bits where they've opened up a bit more than perhaps they would have done um, previously. And then uh, I think again, I know, you know, this was one of your almost aims of the podcast as well as the book. There's a lot of players in there that would perhaps normally not get any airtime. 
Yes. Um, you know, players that play for Wolves and absolutely love playing for Wolves and have got stories to tell, even if things didn't go so well. Um, you know, so again, those chapters I, I find particularly interesting. Uh, and I just that there is there's so much. I mean, as you say, 36 chapters. That's 36 different players um, spanning across. I don't know. You'll you know 40, 50 years of the club's yeah. history, isn't it? From from Terry Wharton almost, which was a, which was a great chapter. And I think um, another part of it I really enjoyed. I mean, you know, you've said yourself you're not a journalist or a writer, but I think it's of a really you know it's a really good standard, and it's you coming out in there. And I think that's what's really important as well. The bits in there with your own sort of interpretation, you know, events, that, games that you've been at, where you put your little bit in. Um, you know, help that these players have given you during your life almost, yeah. isn't there? And you've had difficult times and then vice versa, sort of you and Mel getting some of these guys involved in the All-Stars when they were struggling. So I think there's, you know, there really is absolutely loads in there for people to enjoy. Um, it's the sort of book you can pick up, read one of the chapters, put it down yes. and then go back to it later. But I honestly think people will, you know, they'll pick it up and they'll be flying through it just because, if you know, if you've got a love of Wolves, there's so many interesting, interesting bits in there um, and a mix of players from the, the ones that people will know a lot about to the ones that um, you know people don't know so much about and uh, yeah no definitely uh, not just saying it mate I think it's really a really great book and something that people will really enjoy well, and Paul that means a lot I mean the reason I've asked you eight you know is because one you know I've seen the quality of the books obviously you've done um, and, and yeah I think with the podcasts a lot of the one, the ones that get the most listens, believe it or not, are the, are the players which are probably least remembered and people do want to hear their stories because they haven't done the circuit. And, and what's interesting is, before every podcast, I do a lot of research, I get all the questions, and it does go off grid sometimes, and you know mm. they, 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 they tell me stories I've never heard. And what was interesting was, to do the book, I've had to listen to every podcast again, which, I mean, I've had to listen to my own voice for over 36 <laughs> hours, and you can yeah. imagine I was crawling the ceiling at one point. But yeah. what's really interesting is I'd forgot a lot of the stories in the podcast, and yeah. I was putting them in, and, I was, and you know, some of them are so interesting. And I'm not just saying it. Some of the stories are so interesting. Um, and look, once again, Paul, thanks for being involved with that, because I know you're a, you're a busy guy. Um, and, and, and you know, thanks for coming on the podcast today, uh, and all your support. Um, and we really want you back on soon. No, well, I really appreciate it, mate. And, and uh, it's good to be asked and to go through that team, but also, yeah, really nice to be asked to get involved with the book. And um, you know, I think uh, I'm sure you will be very proud when it comes, and, and you should be. And, and obviously, doing it for charity as well. So, yeah, I'm sure a lot of Wolves fans will support the project, and I, and I really think they're going to enjoy the book. So, yeah, good luck with it. Brilliant. Thanks, Paul. You have a good evening. And to you, mate. Cheers, Cheers. Jase.